1: As a term was first applied by Freudenberger, 1975, to describe what happens when a practitioner becomes increasingly inoperative. According to Freudenberger, this progressive state of inoperability can take many different forms, from simple rigidity, in which the person becomes closed to any input, to an increased resignation, irritability, and quickness to anger. As burnout worsens, however, its effects turn more serious. An individual may become paranoid or self-medicate with legal or illegal substances. Eventually, a social worker afflicted with burnout may leave a promising career that he or she has worked very hard to attain, or be removed from a position by a forced resignation or firing. In the intervening 37 years, Burnout has been the focus of several studies, each of which has affirmed the phenomenon. Van der Venet, 2002. We may instinctively realize that therapeutic work is grueling and demanding, with moderate depression, mild anxiety, emotional exhaustion, and disrupted relationships, as some of its frequent yet common effects. Norcross, 2000. We may even have gotten used to some of the factors promoting burnout, such as inadequate supervision and mentorship, glamorized expectations, and acute performance anxiety. Skovhold, Greer & Hansen, 2001. Yet, as social workers, we may still not pay full attention to the reality of burnout until suddenly everything seems overwhelming. At such times, we may lack the knowledge of what is transpiring or the critical faculties to assess our experience objectively that would enable us to take proper measures to restore balance to our lives. To explore and understand the phenomenon of burnout before it's too late, researchers have found it useful to introduce several components of the term or attendant syndromes, specifically compassion fatigue, vicarious trauma, and secondary traumatic stress. Although there is a great deal of overlap among these terms, each of them possesses a particular risk and originates from a different place in the practitioner's experience or psychology. Valeria interviews Sarah K. Mullins. She is a social work clinician, family life educator, writer, and activist. A best-selling author, she addresses complex issues that threaten individuals, families, communities, and societies, and has coined the term emotional sense of direction as a goal in navigating life's complex, slippery slopes. A recipient of both a Social Worker of the Year and Lifetime Achievement Award from NASW-PA, Sarah Kay was one of five graduates of the University of Pennsylvania School of Social Policy and Practice inducted in their 2018 Inaugural Hall of Fame. Her most recent book, Burnout and Self-Care in Social Work, a guide for students and those in mental health and related professions, focuses on three primary causes of burnout—the interactive loop between personal, professional, social, and physical burnout, the differences between burnout and depression, and evidence-based self-care practices to address burnout Sarah Kay has recently published on another extension on this widespread syndrome: societal burnout. Since burnout is in the wings for us all during this surreal, dangerous, and complicated time, her readership has extended beyond mental health professionals. Sarah Kay’s professional papers and memorabilia are divided between the archives of the University of Pennsylvania Goucher College and the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library. Here is the interview with Sarah K. Smolens.
0: In your own words, who is Sarah K. Smolens?
2: I'm a woman who has had an extraordinary life so far. Uh, I am blessed with a wonderful family. Uh, I married young and went through a difficult divorce and had two young children, learned a great deal about life. I think when you go through a divorce, it's very important to know what went wrong that you contributed to. Uh, I think that anybody with young children, especially for whom divorce is necessary, is wise to get counseling before the decision is made. And after several years with my two little girls as a single mom, um, I met a wonderful man and my family of three became a family of six. Uh, I am a social worker. Uh, I got further training in psychotherapy when it was necessary to afford a divorce in a state where there was no alimony, no, no fault and no equitable division of marital property. It was a long legal process and I needed to pay for therapy to learn more about me and how to become a whole person and afford my divorce. Uh, I adore my profession. I, uh, have a full clinical practice, both my regular practice and my pro bono practice. I write uh, my last book, Burnout and Self-Care, which you can find on my website, www.sarahksmallins.com, was meant for those in the mental health profession, but I'm happy to say that it was an early book on burnout, and people in various professions are buying it, and I'm so happy about that. And I'm now working on a second edition where I will include societal burnout, the initial edition, uh, edition stress personal, professional, social, and physical burnout, and the interchange that's constantly going on Uh, in all of the aspects of burnout. Um, I'm uh, just, I have wonderful friends and a full and varied life. And I'm just very grateful.
0: How wonderful. Thank you. So I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about the topics in your book, burnout and self-care and the kinds, various kinds of burnout. My first warm-up question is, what is life to you, Sarah Kay?
2: Life is an extraordinary adventure. Um, Without risk, there's no life, but I've learned that one should Uh, Give some thought to risks before choosing the risk that's right for you. Uh, It's an extraordinary adventure. It's a banquet. Uh, A banquet, and we pick the foods at a time in our life that are right for us, and and then we try others, and... uh, I can just tell you, um, I'm just, I feel so lucky to um, be experiencing such a rich, full, dimensional life. That's not to say it hasn't had great pain. I just lost a client to COVID-19, my pro bono client. I am mourning a pro bono client. I am mourning her with a family, her devoted, her children are bereft, I'm heart-sick and soul-sick. Two days ago, my husband and I attended a Zoom funeral of a very close friend, a dear professor of great esteem from my college, Goucher College in Baltimore, Maryland, my undergraduate school. Um, I just uh, attended a wonderful celebration of his life. Uh, it's a very hard time we're living in now, Valeria. I don't have to real do- and we need to have all the strength and fortitude we have in order to, to deal with it, to pleasure whenever we can, to keep our strength up, and to know that it's going to be a while, but there will be a light at the end of the tunnel.
0: I like that, that an um, element of hope.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Um, What do you think is the opposite of life?
2: Well, the opposite of life when you're still living and breathing or the end of life? Are you talking about those who aren't alive, but they are gifted with life, but don't appreciate it? Or is is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I guess could be both, right? The afterlife is above, my, the, you know, after life is over, what happens, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> but <laughs> I, but I, I don't know enough to even comment on that. But what I do know is that we do ourselves a grave disservice if here we are breathing and it with opportunities that we don't take advantage of. Um, there's always a way to address depression, sadness, burnout. And when we get into the meat of our conversation, I want to talk with you more about the differences between depression and burnout. But there's always a way to find hope in life when you feel you're merely existing, And many, many people exist, but don't feel the joy and opportunity and um, sunshine that life offers and and that's my work to turn it on for them (laughs) yeah yeah that's what we do together
0: right what a beautiful mission right
2: turn on that light yeah
0: yeah what is the meaning of freedom to you
2: freedom is opportunity to think Mm. and express yourself And right now I feel that we have a political leader who is burning us out on a societal level so that we withdraw and submit to his need for power and control. And that's very dangerous. And it's making our society sick and it's making citizens sick. And there is research to validate it. So right now we are in the fight for our lives because We do. And this isn't about being conservative or liberal. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a personality dynamic of one in the White House who unfortunately does not care for the well-being of individuals. Because if he did, the societal problems that are plaguing us now, health care, environment, gun uh, use, there's uh there there's common sense approaches to all of these and we know we as a country have not been prepared for this pandemic and we should have been because we have been warned and states are fighting to keep citizens alive and the federal government isn't helping us and ethical and moral boundaries are crossed and lies are being touted as truth can you imagine telling your citizens to drink cleaning fluid as a to play well so we are as a country and as a society fighting for our lives now and of course i call this societal burnout because the same things that cause personal professional social and physical burnout societal burnout overloaded not being able to think beginning to feel that your voice doesn't matter beginning to think that you as a person don't matter and then succumbing withdrawing uh, self-medicating and eventually falling through the cracks and for many of us now Societal burnout is doing this to us. We're just retreating and withdrawing, becoming hopeless, because that is exactly what our leadership wants us to feel so that control can be used to to dominate in a healthy society anxiety filters up and there's somebody to talk to that in a family that's true in a marriage that's true in a work setting that's true and in a society that's true and when the anxiety comes from the top purposefully almost like a gaslighting of people what we do is we withdraw and we give in to a dictatorship and dysfunctional leadership yeah, that
0: is something that, um, yeah, that's challenging to make comment because.
2: Um, I want to say something about that. You see, what I said I know is overwhelming, but that's the truth of what we're living with. It is overwhelming. And yes. this kind of societal burnout make no. You see, you see, I dedicated uh, the two articles you read about societal burnout that I hope to add to my book, Burnout and Self-Care, you see, I dedicated it to a woman who was in perfect health, but so a very dear friend, a cherished friend, who has lived with her husband the most purposeful, marvelous, generous life. And she saw what the leadership in this country was doing to us, and it made her sick. It broke her heart. And I, wanna, I want all listeners to know that societal burnout can diminish your health resistance, can make you sick, and can take your life. And that's why we have to know what we're up against, and we have to find a way to live well again with opportunity. Uh, with opportun- There's so much opportunity for all of us. We just have to be well enough to take advantage of it.
0: Mm, true so true. Yeah, I'll be asking you those questions, detailed questions in a moment. Um, at this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need?
2: Oh, we need uh, we need to understand how important it is to love each other and care for each other, and know that um, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Uh, certainly, this pandemic is showing us how united our world is. The Russian people with their lives in their hands are standing up against Putin, who, like I will say Donald Trump, has allowed the citizens who both men should be caring for to become ill and to die and to defend their actions. And with great uh, fortitude and courage, the Russian people are going to the streets against their leader. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing. In this country, we are one. We must protect our our our, our environment. We must protect our citizens. Can you yeah. imagine that the United States is the only industrialized country that doesn't offer health protection to all of our citizens? We can get a, we're the only country. It's I can't wrap my mind around it. We can we're all entitled to a lawyer, but not a doctor. Mm, wow. Interesting
0: my observation. What is love to you, Sarah Kay?
2: Love is based on self and mutual respect. If you really don't respect yourself, you may have very intimate connections, sexual, emotional connections, but they're not based on what I would call love. I'm talking about mature love, a love between two adults, talking about sexual love. Love, love of course, is is for children, for friends, for our fellow country people, but love between two adults is based on self and mutual respect. Um, And um, it goes a long way to keeping you strong when you like yourself enough to find it.
0: Yeah. What is your understanding and idea of peace?
2: Peace, what comes from within, you know, um, and it grows from love. And awareness, self awareness. We all have instincts that are not peaceful, and we have to learn how to uh, handle that. Uh, You know, I've learned, Valeria, that the opposite, that hate is not a natural instinct. Uh, You know, we hate the people who demean us and render us ineffective and helpless come with mother's milk jealousy being jealous of uh, relationships other ha- others have or envy we um, je- uh, feelings about wanting something someone else has that comes with mother's milk that comes babies young people young um, toddlers have that <laughs> young children children have that. But as we reach adulthood, I think that envy and jealousy uh, can take a real, real backseat. And as we fulfill our own lives, we're able to wish other people well. So what is peace? Peace is self-awareness. This is wishing other people well. Uh, Peace is finding contentment in the things that fulfill you in your own life and always knowing that you can continue to grow and learn and love other people and care i'm a grandmother so i can tell you get better and better
0: (laughs) yeah i love your wisdom already (laughs) thank you and my next warm-up question is about god what where and who is god to you
2: my, these are probing questions. And you, I'm glad you're saying to me, because again, this is above my pay grade. <laughs> uh, I think I have, for me, uh, and there is some kind of a force out there um, who is greater than all of us, who we, who, what, we can't begin to really describe and i think the best way to feel god's presence is when you see people doing and giving and living and loving in the very best ways they can then we're very very aware of god's presence
0: yes And my last warm-up question what do you think is the purpose and mission of your life
2: I want to give. I I want to give. I want, I want my children to have more opportunities than I had as a young person and um, even have a more fulfilling life than I've had, which has been a very wonderful life so far. I have a lot of living to do. Um, I want to be remembered as... A solid professional who gave my all to my work, which my profession is social work. And regardless of where it's taken me, uh, a social worker's promise is to work to the best of one's ability uh, to make opportunities possible for our most vulnerable. Um, That's been a very important mission in my life. Um, I want my husband to always know how grateful I am for this second chance for happiness and fulfillment and to have a true devoted family and to show our children what a real marriage really is. And I want my children to know that I've loved them deeply and they own their own lives and they should just go live it, live their lives. And I want my grandchildren to know I send blessings forever as they choose their own destinies.
0: Wow, that sounds truly wonderful. Yeah. So let's talk about your work. What was the inspiration and intention to write books on burnout and self-care?
2: Yeah, um... Well, I'm going to be really honest with you about this. I was very blessed as a young woman. I, uh, I I met President Kennedy when I was a page to the Maryland delegation in 1960 at the Democratic National Committee. And I got a very interesting job at the Democratic National Committee. Um, I didn't see the president often, but... He recommended the profession of social work to me, and I began my uh, master's degree at Catholic University. You don't say to the President of the United States, Mr. President, what are you smoking? But I'm from an Orthodox Jewish family in Baltimore, and there I was a Catholic year, which he was recommending. And it was an extraordinary, extraordinary year. And when he was assassinated, I married very quickly and I married a law student at the University of Pennsylvania and uh, my student placement and scholarship was given by the a very wonderful agency, the Society to Protect Children, an agency that worked with uh, abused and neglected children. I love my work, Valeria. I love my work. But... Um, In my first year after graduation, I began breaking out in these awful blisters all over me. And I thought it was my work, but necessary therapy, when I knew I had to be divorced, showed me that it wasn't the work, it was what the work was touching in me about my life. Uh And I had to look at that. And I swore to myself that I would go back to working with the most vulnerable children and their families when I could. And by that time, I had developed a private psychotherapy practice, family therapy and psychotherapy as a social worker. Um, I developed the practice through a lot of extra training. And we had a very forward-thinking district attorney at the time, Lynn Abraham, who in the mid-90s offered me a chance to returned to work on a pro bono basis that I vowed I'd return to. And all carefully selected first offenders in uh, family violence without a record and without any deaths involved, uh, were referred to be through Lynn Abraham with the approval of the probation department for intensive therapy instead of incarceration. And I was blessed to get these referrals throughout her term, three terms as district attorney, which ended, I think the correct date is um, 2010. Uh Uh-huh. And my mentors in this field, who I knew as a student and a very young social worker, whom I contacted to help me in this work, all told me they had left the field because they were burned the hell out. I've never I've never heard the phrase before, and so that started five years of research into burnout, its differences uh, from depression, and what I learned in my research is that with burnout, which is overload, you just can't hear anymore, take anymore, and the setting mm-hmm. where you're you're working is not giving you what you need as a professional. Whereas when I was young and doing the work, I worked in a marvelous setting. But once the the, uh, city government took over this work, the professionals I worked with just felt that their clients were not our kinds of clients were not getting the kinds of help that they deserved and needed. Um, so, so with burnout, with this overload, with this, I just can't do this anymore. I just got to find another way to find my peace, what you were asking about before, to find solid ground. Uh, with, the, with carefully researched self-care strategies, which I offer in my book, burnout can always be alleviated and prevented. Depression is harder to treat. And we can talk about that as you ask me questions. But I began to work in burnout when people I so trusted in my field, in social work, told me they would burn the hell out and leaving the field. I had to I had to find out what this is because uh, it was an invader of, of health and energy that I knew our city and all cities really need. And burnout can happen to all of us, whatever our lives, whatever our professions, as homemakers, as volunteers, whatever ways we express ourselves, we burnout is in the wings for us if we don't know what it is and how to avoid it. And of course, as I said earlier, on a societal level, uh, we have burnout on steroids coming to us uh, and we must learn to survive and cope. And so, what is burning us out to protect everything we hold dear in this precious country?
0: Yes. Um, so, I guess I'll begin with basic questions about burnout. And the first one is Is burnout recognized as a clinical condition?
2: No, no. It is uh, recognized as a syndrome, a constellation of experiences. And uh, the World Health Organization does not classify this as a psychiatric illness. Depression is characterized as a psychiatric illness, but when we talk more about depression, to me a lot that is being called a psychiatric illness and does depress us for good reason are actually life events. Uh, death of a of a beloved illness, our someone else's, um being treated terribly by a trusted friend, being fired for no reason, connivance and dishonesty, all of that can depress us. But that's mm-hmm. not an illness, that's life. When the black when people are not given permission by the people who care for them, usually parents, caretakers, to live the life we were talking about earlier in your framing questions. When, wow. when they're not given permission to define life as they need to live it, they get depressed. And I work with many clients about getting the path that's right for them, even if the people they've depended on the most and love the most in their lives want them to do something else. Depression is alleviated when people can find their own paths. I call this, and I coded this phrase, it's it's um, an emotional sense of direction, finding your own path. Um, sometimes with depression, a black cloud just descends, you don't know why, that is a psychiatric illness. And then for this, medication is necessary. And also medication should always, in my opinion, include talk therapy. I've had great success in psychiatrists finding the right cocktail and then clients and I talking. Sometimes short-term meds is necessary for some of the other conditions I spoke about. But My strong opinion, we are giving medication too easily often when just understanding and talking about your feelings will alleviate depression. Uh, uh, To state the difference between depression and burnout, burnout is always a sense of overload. And then you are so overloaded that you can't think straight, you can't socialize. You think everything you've done in life is worth nothing. You become paranoid. You self-medicate and you start to fall through the cracks of life. And I want to say that in all, in all settings, in families and in work settings, in communities and in, in our country, dictatorial leadership brings people to the point of hopelessness and feeling that they don't matter. So burnout has to do with the overload because there's no one to talk to about what you're really experiencing who shows you you matter and you really care and you make a difference and I'm with you and we'll solve this together. Burnout is always one can always prevent and alleviate burnout with the self- self-care strategies which involve, Knowing yourself, taking care of yourself, and getting involved in solving the problem. Being involved energizes you.
1: Mm,
0: yes, I love, absolutely love this, what he just said about doing it together. Just knowing that we can achieve something greater than ourselves even, but only together. Right. How is personal burnout different from professional and societal burnout, Sarah Kay?
2: Yes, that's a very important question. Personal burnout uh, is an overload uh, that we are experiencing in one's personal life. Professional burnout is the overload in one's work life. Social or relational burnout involves... Uh, relationships that are stressful from our most intimate uh, to those where the interaction is not as intense our body is a readout and that is our physical burnout our body will tell us uh, what we're feeling if we listen uh, a pain in the neck, if we're sure if there's not a physical reason, can tell us that life in some direction is a pain in the neck. A rash or itching that has no underlying physical reason can tell us we're itching for something. And a stomach ache who is really what can't we stomach? Who is overloading us? What is overloading us? Societal burnout or all of the unaddressed societal problems that are looming in front of us, uh, our health, our welfare, our safety, our ability to express ourselves, and they're not being addressed. We surely know that in the pandemic, which we should have been prepared for. We see terror and anger and awful, awful expressions of violence through social media again and again, and we need leadership to bring us together to address those societal overloads, and there's an interaction between the personal, the professional, the social, the physical, and the societal burnout that overwhelms, overloads, and stresses us.
0: Uh, Is one worse than the other or they're all?
2: They're all they're all they all have the capacity to really uh, make us ill. And in fact, uh, what we're learning in recent studies is that the incidence of burnout and depression has surely increased as the United States and other countries face. a a crisis, a surreal crisis that should have been anticipated. You know, Valeria, several years ago, I wrote an article in the New Social Worker magazine, what I wish I had known about burnout when I was a younger clinician and in college and graduate school. And that grew into my book, Burnout and Self-Care in Social Work, which is a guide for all mental health professionals. And people are buying it in other professions too. It was an early book on burnout and all you have to do is replace the name of your profession or your volunteerism or your homemaking with mental health professional and you see the interaction of all of the manifestations of burnout they when we're stressed at work We're stressed in our personal lives When we have no energy to address looming problems with certain people in our social lives when we either have to back away or have a conversation about being treated unfairly and our body is the readout for all of this stress. Then today, and this is my new research on societal burnout and I'm hoping to be able to update my first book, including this, today, just uh, just read the news, watch news programs, go on social media. We are surrounded by violence. Even schools and, and houses of worship are not safe from violent, violent attacks, which really come from unfinished emotional business as well as people who just find that they don't know what to do with how upset and angry they are and act out viciously. And if we could address all of the societal differences that are just plaguing us and have the leadership to do this, we could find common ground and common sense solutions. It's necessary for our future.
0: So true. Is there a difference between burnout especially the the beginning stages, burnout and natural stress or the lack of stress management?
2: Stress is always part of depression, uh, and it's always part of burnout. But burnout is a syndrome resulting from being overloaded and overburdened. Uh, Depression itself, in my experience, Valeria, comes from an inability to carve out a life that you wish to live, as well as certain understandable reactions to illness, death, loss of a beloved, uh, betrayal of a good friend, connivance uh, in professional relationships, losing a job, Uh, and then, of course, in its in, in its more uh, uh, in, in its more severe state, I should say, can become can be a psychiatric illness when talk therapy and short-term drugs cannot help. Uh, when a black cloud descends and you do not don't know why, when you can't find any relief, uh, that is a more severe type, expression of, of depression. And again, with appropriate care, it can be alleviated. Um, and even if it doesn't go away entirely, one can learn to live with it and still have a very, very fulfilling life. But usually with appropriate treatment, depression lifts. Of course, and if there's a psychotic episode, uh, this it can also be... Uh, a form of depression that that must be treated with great care. But I want to repeat, burnout, uh, the literature is very clear that burnout with appropriate self-care and attitudes can be prevented, addressed, removed. In this time of great crisis, however, doing so is going to take more time. Depression, too, can always be alleviated, but again, in this surreal situation, addressing it and finding relief is going to take more time. I I want to emphasize the importance of solid, mature leadership in government, uh, in homes, And also in, of course, all businesses and professional settings. When one in every phase and expression of our life has one to go to who cares, who genuinely cares and uh, uh, wants to help us address our problems, burnout is always alleviated.
0: So talk to me about some of the most effective uh, strategies for self-care. I know you have that in your book, and you also said something very interesting that I have here. You said, my life and work have taught me that the strongest lesson in avoiding burnout through self-care is to accept that we are human.
2: Yes, we have to be able to express our feelings, Valeria. We To know that it's okay to be angry and learn to express it in appropriate, helpful ways to us and those we're angry with. We have to know that it's all right to be sad and to cry. Along with societal burnout, is great mourning for what we've lost, what should have been, and hope for what can be. And to face That we're all limited and we all can only do the best we can is very important. I may have told you that um, not long ago, a client of mine died of COVID-19. A colleague has died. I have friends and neighbors struggling with illness, and I cry. Uh, It's very sad. Acknowledging our humanity and not having to be supermen and super women and uh, perfect is just such an important life lesson in, in uh, go- going for therapy or counseling when we need it is a very important self-care strategy. Finding friends we trust and can confide in is an essential self care strategy taking care of our bodies getting sleep knowing that we're safe in our work and that uh, what, what what workers now on front lines are facing in hospitals is is unraveling we don't have enough to keep those on the front line safe, and we should, yet they're going in anyway, facing the same illnesses that they're addressing and treating, holding hands of terrified patients, calming terrified relatives. We, Everyone who walks into a work setting should be guaranteed safety, and that's not happening. Everyone in a work setting should have someone to go to who can solve the problems that overwhelm us. And those elected to to public office need to know that they are the leaders of all of us, not just a segment of us, and that They're being elected to care for us, to keep us safe, to help us address and solve problems and to provide hope for all. And all of that, all of these self-care strategies are essential for our well-being. And interestingly, Valeria, the same ones that work for self-care work for depression. The same approaches, the same things we can do to keep, keep. good care of ourselves, alleviate depression, and address burnout.
0: How wonderful. Uh, do you connect self-care to self-love?
2: Oh, that's, that's a beautiful question. Oh, yes. Yes, you know, um, what's missing today is that people aren't raised often, too often, to respect and value themselves enough and they need every home needs love and patience and care so much of the violent acting out that we see has to do with people who haven't gotten what they need in their formative years so of course when we we we, we should know ourselves accept ourselves value ourselves like ourselves love ourselves And that doesn't mean we're selfish and narcissistic. That means that we're self-protective. And, you know, when we value ourselves, that's when we can value other people. And that's when we can accept their differences. And that's when we can sit down and solve our problems.
0: So true. Yeah, my other question has to do with unconditional self-love. Do you believe in such a practice?
2: I believe that the best way to conduct your life is to get to know yourself and to solve any of the emotional unfinished business that's inside of you that can keep you from being kind and responsible in your relationships, in work, uh, in personal life, uh, and in everything important to us. I think knowing yourself is, is really important, accepting your limitations, and doing your best to solve problems within you that can be hurtful to other people. And in that respect, yes, of course, valuing appreciating this process yeah
0: yeah beautifully said Uh, talk to me for a moment about your mother's final words to be continued and how they affected you
2: yes um, my mother was an extraordinary person Um, I'm so sorry she never had the benefit of the education that she deserved if you went to a museum or read poetry, she would understand everything she saw, read, felt in the most profound ways. And uh, I lost her to cancer well before her time. I think of her every day on every important occasion I, in my life. I try to uh, carry one of her purses or one of her handkerchiefs or wear a piece of her jewelry um, and her final cogent words to me were to be continued and I I know she meant that love is always enduring and caring for each other does not end in death. my mother has an apartment inside of me closest to my heart and she's brought. Her favorite books and um, some treasures that were her mother's, and uh, her wonderful coffee pot, <laughs> and and our our, our conversations uh, have always continued. Love and depth and caring is just eternal, and I think that that's her message. I perhaps you um, noticed that. I often sign my correspondence to be continued. When conversations end with those I care deeply for, I often say not goodbye, but to be continued.
0: I love that. Yeah, I do believe that love is the foundation of life and the afterlife.
2: And, 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 and eternal. Love is eternal
0: so true. Would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book before I ask you my final question, Sarah Kay?
2: You know, I start my book with a note from a client. And she says, "In our, I describe it. In our first meeting, my client looked away and handed me a note. It read, I have no voice It became too much. I began dying years ago. No one noticed. I responded with a note. Until you find your voice, do you want me to write to you or may I speak? Will you go away? My client wrote. We made eye contact. I moved my head. No. Do you believe I can find my voice? She wrote and continued. If so, say it. Yes. I yes, do you believe I can find my voice she wrote. If so, say it. I promised her she would find her voice and in our work together she found her voice. And in my book Burnout and Self-Care in Social Work, I try to guide through introspection and through cognitive awareness and understanding of So many of the challenges before us and ways to address them in maturity and in hope and in promise for the future. And really, that's the essence of this book. And when I hope to update in the near future, much to everybody's surprise, the book for from a very small academic house, NASW Press has become one of their bestsellers. So I'm hoping that they will let me update explanations of personal, professional, relational, physical burnout with societal burnout, as well as illuminate on all of the self-care strategies to address them. So I'm, I'm so grateful for opportunities to write, to be published, and very, very grateful to have had the opportunity to have this conversation with you, Valeria. I hope we'll continue to meet.
0: Thank you, Saraki, for your wonderful message. And not just positive, but true. That resonates with me profoundly. So I have a few more questions for you. I think two or three of them. Those are my final questions. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today?
2: Oh, my hardest lesson. My hardest lesson was um, uh, learning that that my first marriage could not succeed. Uh, I was devastated. I had two little children. Four and seven, when divorce was necessary, the divorce laws in my state, Pennsylvania, were the worst in the country. There was no no no-fault, no equitable division of marital property, and no alimony. And uh, I, I really could not turn to any family for support. My family was my little girls, four and seven and me. And that lesson was you've got to face what's necessary in order to have hope and direction in your life and offer that to your children. That was my my hardest, hardest lesson, because, of course, for children, divorce is such a loss. Actually, it's a death in their dream. And I had to hurt them in this way in order to find a good life and... Uh, The ability to care well for them, I'm. I'm so happy to say. When 41 years ago, when my, as a single parent, um, I had good years with my children, and then three years later, I met my husband, and we've been married 41 years, and a family of three became a family of six, and I'm happy to say that our four children all now have meaningful, fulfilling. Uh, lives uh, with partners they love and they all have children and they're making wonderful lives. We're very proud of them. Our oldest granddaughter, when, um, when life resumes a new normality, will begin uh, her freshman year at her dream school, University of Chicago. I'm so proud of her. Uh, Charlotte Rose at age seven developed type 1 diabetes and uh, was very ill and has become an activist for many causes including diabetes and um, has developed a wonderful app to help young kids and their families with diabetes um, just um, so proud of her and my other five grandchildren I'm so blessed I have five grandchildren and then two grandchildren who stand my husband and I are also very involved with so life is very full. But that was the hardest hardest reality to address and cope with the necessary divorce in my life and its impact on my children. But as I said, I'm so grateful, all is well.
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful. I really love your kindness. You're a very kind woman. And my last question, what are three things about life you know for sure as of today?
2: Oh, that I know for sure. I know that we have control over so very little other than the way we handle what comes our way. Though, of course, we have control over those we choose to build with and trust. Um, Therapy can really help you to make sure you do that but truly we have control over so little other than how we handle what comes our way and uh, secondly uh, I know that it's very very important to get to know yourself to face your limitations and do your best to treat others well and not act out in harmful ways hurting them And third, uh, love is eternal. When there's love, you never lose it. It's always yours.
0: So true. Thank you so much for your presence and your wisdom. I absolutely love your wisdom and
2: your kindness. So we'll say to be continued, yes? (laughs) <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. I have one more uh, technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects?
2: Oh, if you go to com. that's S-A-R-A-K-A-Y-S-M-U-L-L-E-N-S, um, you'll find um, my speaking engagements, or at least some of them. That's really not updated. I've been a little too busy. But some of my speaking engagements, you'll find some of what I've written. Uh, you'll find the names of my books. The the latest book, of course, is Burnout and Self-Care in Social Work. And uh, you'll find how to contact me with any further questions that you might have.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Sarah Kay, and we'll talk soon.
2: Thank you. Lovely to be with you, Valeria. The
0: same here.
1: Bye for now.
2: Indeed. Thank, Thank you
1: for listening. To learn more about Sarah Kay Smullens, please visit her website, sarahksmullens.com.